Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's just absolutely beautiful. So, on this day, by the way, in 2001, Barry Bonds became the all-time single-season home run king when he hit his 71st and 72nd home runs of the season before finishing with 73. I explained this in the Daily Hustle electronic email communication this morning. That, look, dude, I'm not kidding you. He was the only guy that would come to the plate, and I wouldn't want him to hit me the baseball. That was it. The only one. I'm not joking. Every other person in my mind, I'm like, dude, I got this. I'm making a play. Didn't matter who else it was. When that motherfucker stepped up to the dish, it was like, oh, he hit a ball one day in Oakland. And this thing was so high and a day game. And Oakland's notorious for the high sky and the sun out in left field. I'd never been so scared in my life. Not on a baseball field. Not in the sense that, dude, this is going to drop. And it's funny because I don't think through the course of my entire major league career, outside of I remember a sun ball in New York, and I had a ball in the lights in Toronto. Those were the two major drops that I can remember, and those aren't even really drops. Although, somebody did send me, just recently, it was really funny, a picture of the, I guess I was in the Dominican, and I had this ball that had just flown like way over my head, and I'm leaping back. And I guess completely pushed it a ball. I do remember screwing up a couple when I was there. Uh, but who knows? So I look when you're dealing with the Dominican, you were dealing with lights that weren't nearly as good. You were dealing with all sorts of uh other, I don't want to say outside distractions, whether it was the Zuzu Lalies or whatever. But when the ball would go up there, I mean, sometimes you just lost it. Like, literally, it was hit above the lights. Jason Kelly, good morning to you. Yes, I'm rocking and rolling, and I am awake running the program. Uh, If you're on here, fire away in the chat, please. Let me know if I am live, because I actually have a settings thing here where if I look at it and I can check the audience view. Oh! I think I am on. And I don't know why Siri keeps listening to me. Stop listening to me. I'm not talking to you. So I guess our audience view is firing. And yes, 
we are awake. Byron, thank you. Yeah, when I went on this morning and I started the show, I have a we have a button now. It's really cool. You could check the audience view, so I can actually see what you guys see. And when I started it, it said network connection issue. I'm like, oh fuck. Okay, whatever. So anyhow, this is the second day now in a row that we've brought back the daily hustle email. And I'm just sharing with you guys an outline of what we're going to talk about through the course of the DH podcast. Uh, I mentioned already the Barry Bonds and on this day sort of thing. Uh, Let's get into yesterday. The MLB playoffs wildcard round ended with all four victorious teams completing the two-game sweep of the best of three series. That is pretty crazy that you had all of those games, every one of them, be a sweep. And the other thing that, I guess, sort of caught my attention was two home teams of the Twins and the Phillies, and then the two road teams, be it the D-backs and the Rangers taking care of business. So the American League Division Series matchups now will be the Twins at the Astros. And I believe that starts on Saturday. And then the Rangers at the O's. The Rangers are uh, not slight favorites. They're actually slight underdogs in that one. The O's are minus 120. We'll look into the odds of the other series as well. It's going to be the D-backs and the Dodgers. I have to imagine they're going to be heavy underdogs in that series. Plus 200, plus 250. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and look to see exactly how they did in head-to-head matchups this year. In the division, they typically play each other, what, about 18 times. So they definitely have a ton of history. And I just remember the Dodgers winning a shit ton of those games. We also have Philly taking on Atlanta. And so then that gets me to a tweet that I fired out yesterday. And that was my five takeaways after the first round of the playoffs. Let's start with number one. With 19,000 fans at a playoff game in Tampa, St. Pete, the Rays need to get the fuck out of there. Period. I went off on this a little bit yesterday. We put up an IG video that started to gain some pretty good traction. And I'm not the only one calling for this. But when you look at the Tampa Bay Rays and the success that they've had as an organization over the past decade or so, it's been incredibly impressive. So looking at this thing, and now they've even committed $700 million from Tampa's side of things to build this new stadium and all the extra costs that you know are going to come. So I would like to think Tampa, the organization, have committed to a billion dollars to stay in Tampa. I've got to ask them the question, why? I don't get it. What is incentivizing you to do it? I've got to believe that 
if they do move or if they did move now i get that it's a process and you're gonna have to go through all the other owners and everything else but there was no less than three four different cities that seemed committed to bring in major league baseball teams number one being giuseppe pepe manuele's hometown of montreal they want a team back number two nashville they want a team Number three, Salt Lake City, they want a team. Four, Vegas, they want a team. I've heard San Antonio, they want a team. So if you have all of these places that are willing to, say, facilitate whatever they have to facilitate to get a team to move there, why would the Rays not look into that solution? 19,000 people at a fucking playoff game it's not okay. The official attendance yesterday was like 20,100. It's like, oh, shit. Dude, look at it. The entire upper deck was completely empty. And by the way, yes, good morning, Buckwheat. Good to see you on here, man. Not hump day today. But we are rocking and rolling regardless. All right, number two here for the five major takeaways after the first round. The D-backs are electric. I went on with Jim Rome yesterday, and he asked me, he said, well, okay, after, you know, the first games, what was the number one thing that stood out to you? I'm like, Arizona Diamondbacks. This team's fucking good. Corbin Carroll is a superstar. Cattell Marte, legit. Tori Lovello, if you didn't get fired up watching his post-game celebratory toast, there's something wrong with you. So, when you think, Look, are they going to have a chance against the Dodgers? I don't know. A chance? Of course they have a chance. It's going to take them lining up their rotation and being able to do that the right way. Now, I got to imagine with the series not starting until Saturday or Sunday, that shouldn't be a problem at all. You're going to have all the time in the world to, I say all the time in the world, but Basically, it was, what, was it Zach Gallon yesterday or Merrill Kelly? I'm pretty sure it was Zach Gallon yesterday. So you'll start with Merrill Kelly and then probably just run it right back to Zach Gallon. If he pitched on a Wednesday, then he would have Thursday off, Friday off, Saturday off, and Sunday off. Okay, so we'll see. But regardless, the Diamondbacks look really, really good. And to go into Milwaukee and take care of a decent Brewers team was impressive. Number three, the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, fuck. I mean, seriously? That team looked legit. The bullpen, legit. They had dudes coming out of there that I didn't even know they had in the roster throwing 100 miles per hour. I mean, it was filthy. On top of that, you got all the superstars coming to play now. The Bryson Stott, Grand Slam. There's a video going around the interwebs of a silent no call. And it just has the crowd noise. Yeah. I, that, that's that's something special. It, it, it almost gives you the chills when you watch it. And the broadcast for whatever reason and i didn't i didn't listen to it so i don't know but carl ravage who i think is fantastic apparently he had some missteps 
and said a few different things that I don't know if they weren't right or whatever. So I guess it would enhance the no call even more. But the fact, and this is what resonated with me about that, was every single fucking fan in Philadelphia was on their feet when Bryce Stott hit the Grand Slam. They were already there. There was already a buzz. And then the buzz, which was sitting at like, say, a level six, went to a 10. It was insane, really cool to watch. Number four in the five major takeaways after the first round, the Twins looked great. Good job for the Minnesota Twins. They had a sick pickoff play that Sonny Gray called with Carlos Trea. The little tip of the hat thing. Boom. Fire round. Spin move. Daylight. Look, this place, that's not rocket science. So as soon as there's daylight between the runner and the fielder, and the fielder seeks behind there, bam, that's where you go. And so whether Sonny Gray called for it or not, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe Carlos Correa called for it. <clears throat> but general rule of thumb, when there's that space there, go ahead, spin for the win. That's it. All right. The other thing about the twink, I mean, they're starting pitching look great. The fans were going berserk. Watching the games, and I can't really say anything about Milwaukee because we just didn't see much. You know Milwaukee has a great fan base. But watching the game in Philly and watching the game a little bit in Minnesota just had a different feel to it. That's what playoff baseball is supposed to be. Like, that is it. That's what it's supposed to feel like. That shit we saw in Tampa, it's not playoff baseball. It's just not. I can't imagine any free agent ever want to go there. I, like, it makes no sense. Not unless you're just chasing the money, but, you know, again, this is a team that's not going to spend a lot of money on free agency anyway. So the number five thing for... The major takeaway. Well, I got into Philly. And then I think I just kind of skipped it. But look, they have a chance against Atlanta. If you would ask me before this series, I didn't give a shout. He said, like, no chance. They have a legitimate shot to take down the Braves. I think the Phillies playing helps them. It does. That's the thing about the wild card round. So, for example... You had, what was it? The Rangers got passed up by the Astros for the American League West Division Championship. So long as the Rangers were able to get out of Tampa alive, I think the advantage goes to the Rangers. When you're playing in those wild card games and, yo, say the alternative is basically taking batting practice at an empty stadium, that's not preparing you. They have the term battle tested for a reason. Well, as these teams get battle tested, all it does is it allows them to gain confidence through all of it. So Philly, I, you know, I, I would be, wow, I'd be surprised to see Atlanta go home or stay home, whatever it is, early. But Philly is a team that can fucking do it. They legitimately are. All right. 
<clears throat> so the Twins thing against the Astros, they're picking on the Astros. The Central Division, and this is the fourth major takeaway, in both leagues should be relegated. It's a little harsh. Yeah, I get it. But other than the Twins, there's no Central teams there. Milwaukee just got slapped aside by the Arizona Diamondbacks. If you look at the records in both Central Divisions, and like all of it, was, it just wasn't good. And you had a feeling that they had no chance. Now, the Twins were the only team that were worth a shit in either league in the Central Division. Now, the relegation thing, I don't know exactly how it works other than the fact that if you don't finish with a certain record, then what happens is you get relegated basically to the B League or D League or whatever you want to call it, and this is European soccer. Well, in Major League Baseball's case, you would get relegated to AAA. So the A's then would all of a sudden have to go back to AAA. You know what? And my That's fucking capitalism, baby. You got to put up or shut up. That's as simple as that. So, I don't know. It was just a fun little thing. Uh, the last one here, Boach. Bruce Boachy, uh, Texas Rangers manager. He's a fucking man. He is. I, the Rangers and what they did and Evan Carter. I mean, don't. Look. We're trying to feed you guys knowledge. We're trying to give you guys information. We're trying to teach you guys about players. We did a thing here at No Filter Network on Evan Carter two weeks ago. He's the fucking man. That's it. Like I saw him play. The dude's a beast in the outfield. He's a gorgeous left-hand swing, 21 years old, had over 1,000 OPS. He's hitting ninth for the Rangers. That lineup and that lineup alone, this was the best offensive team in the American League. And to see Bruce Bochy out there and high-fiving, and it's just so pure, man. I posted a video last night about Boch and the Rangers, and the main response was like Bruce Bochy with a greater symbol over analytics. And it's true. It's true. Manages people. And that's what you are. When you manage a baseball team, your number one fucking job is to manage people. All right. The Daily Hustle quote of the day. A true teacher defends his students against his own personal influences. Amos Bronson Alcott. Thank you, Amos. And so, of course, who's Amos? Well, Amos Bronson Alcott was born in 1799. He was an American teacher, writer, and philosopher. Alcott was friends with Ralph Waldo Emerson and became a huge player in the transcendentalism movement. As a teacher of the Temple School in Boston, Alcott explored new ways of interacting with young students, including focusing on a conversational style of education. And did away with traditional punishments. His goal was to perfect the human spirit. It's a tough task there, kid. And he rigorously championed a plant-based diet. So if you read a little bit more about us, it's almost to no avail. 
but he tried a, a few different, I don't know what they're like, plant-based colonies or whatever they were, but he was ahead of his time, let's just say. Alcott was also an abolitionist and fought hard for women's rights. So Amos was a dude that basically, as an educator, we have to think to ourselves, what's the absolute best way to put our students in a position to succeed? This is where and how and why we're even fucking talking about Amos right now. So when we learn something, when we get preached to, talked to, whatever, right? You guys can come on Daily Hustle every single morning. Whenever I'm able to get the interaction with Jason Kelly and Buckwheat and Byron or whoever else, John Emmanuel Ramos, Henderson, Makati City International, once again, folks, whenever we're able to have that, it's better. We're having conversation. It's not just me spitting here into a microphone. We're able to go back and forth. A lot of the reason why, for example, I will come on here and I have this layout of the Daily Hustle and what I'm going to go over through the course of it. But the absolute best way to absorb something is to have a conversation. And that's what Amos did. Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, I think the greatest philosopher of definitely what would that be the 19th century and more of a modern day philosopher as opposed to going back to the Stoics and everything else. So thank you, Mr. Alcott, for regaling us with that beautiful quote this morning. Again, it was a true teacher defense of students against his own personal influences. And the idea and thought, by the way, too, you know, of that is that we have to always be looking at outside opinions and why somebody may look at it that way. Now, if we present the information correctly, then what we do is we let our students make up their own mind. But it's our job as educators to present all of that information. Trivia question of the day. Will the Thrill Clark, co-host Deuces Wild here on No Filter Network, by the way. Um, I'd also like to quickly just say thank you to everybody who's been downloading not only the Daily Hustle here, but Deuces Wild has been fucking taken off. Deuces Wild's kicking the Daily Hustle's ass. As it should. It's a better show. But uh, thank you. We've had thousands of downloads over the past few days. Uh, even yesterday was just a gigantic day. So if you could continue to share that, Apple, Spotify, whatever, we very much appreciate it. Also, please, if you could leave a review, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, hit the five stars if you're feeling generous, leave a review. Same sort of thing with Deuces Wild. It really helps us and it expands our reach and it gives us an opportunity to ideally positive, positively influence uh, other people's lives. So the trivia question is, will Clark play for the Giants, the Rangers, the Orioles, and the Cardinals? The Rangers and Orioles, of course, are going to square off in the National League Division Series beginning Saturday. Between the two franchises, how many World Series have they won? The answer? Tres. 
Texas with zero and Baltimore with three. 1966, 1970, and I don't know why it says 1993 here. That's not the case. It's 1983, of course. Uh, Join the Daily Hustle live interactive life optimization Daily Hustle podcast as we discuss these three stories. So here's the three stories we can't ignore for today. Former ESPN broadcaster Sage Steele tears into The View. That's right. She trashes The View on Bill Myers Bill Ma- Bill Mars podcast. Uh the show is quote despicable. I mean those are harsh words. And look, I get it. I'm not a fan of The View either. But Former ESPN star Sage Steele torched the ladies of The View during her appearance. I'm just interested in what got her so fired up on Bill Maher's Club Random podcast during the lengthy discussion that went beyond Steele's wheelhouse of sports to tackle things like politics and culture war issues. Maher floated the idea that she should be the contrarian voice on the liberal ABC daytime talk show. Quote, you should be on The View, Mars said on Sunday's podcast. Her response? Hell no. I've been on The View, and it didn't go well. Because you know what? At The View, they don't want your view. They only want theirs and their bullshit. Woo! This is good stuff right here. Exactly, Mar agreed. And the problem is they've never had anybody who's smart enough to actually say it the way you're saying it. Quote, I disagree with that. Steele pushback, citing Elizabeth Hasselbeck as someone who was able to articulate the conver- the conservative point of view at the table. Quote, when you're four on one, and I've experienced it, I felt it, she continued. And they were nice to me, relatively speaking. Whoopi was very nice to me. Jenny McCarthy. This was Whoopi, Jenny McCarthy, Sherry Shepard, and Barbara Walters. And they were great to me. Barbara, whatever. The other three were great. And what I know for a fact, I did it four times. And then they had me audition when they were making changes again. They 100% are full of it. They don't want to hear your view. If you think differently, than they do. And they are fine telling lies on that stage in that set. And because they know that if someone calls them out on it, they're just going to talk over them and have the audience clap and go to break. So the show to me is despicable. And it makes me sad because the potential for 20 some years, I respect that the length they've done it, but the potential is incredible. And they ruined it. Uh, Moore then went on to say, but I think you can handle it, to Sage Steele. Steele then gently reminded him that she had worked, quote, under the umbrella of Disney, which owns ESPN and ABC, both exiting the company following a lengthy legal battle. Quote, they easily could have called me, especially the last several years when these conversations have, have to take place. They won't call me. Why? Because they know. They know I'm not afraid. They don't want that. So, no thank you. 
Steele, the former host of Sports Center, announced she had successfully settled her lawsuit against ESPN, accusing the network of violating her free speech rights when she spoke out against the company's vaccine mandate and about former President Obama's racial identity. Uh, having successful, successfully settled my case with ESPN Disney, I've decided to leave so I can exercise my First Amendment rights more freely, still post on social media. I'm grateful for so many wonderful experiences over the past 16 years, and I'm excited for the next chapter of my life. Steele's lawsuit accused ESPN of selective enforcement of its policy that bars news employees from commenting on politics and social issues. The suit alleged ESPN violated Connecticut law and Steele's rights to free speech-based upon a faulty understanding of her comments and a non-existent, unenforced workplace policy that serves as nothing more than pretext and claimed the network relied on inaccurate third-party accounts of Steele's comments and did not immediately review the actual comments or context in which they were made. I would say this, Sage Steele is fucking awesome. I have always loved her. I had an opportunity to meet her, hang a little bit, but she just is a person that speaks her mind and she's not going to be overly influenced by one side or the other. She seems to be an independent thinker, a transcendentalist, as uh, we (laughs) brought up earlier in the show, the Amos Alcott, Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, mold is uh, pretty much what she is from. All right. We have the next big story we can't ignore here. The Utah football players. That's right. Utah football players given truck leases in the new NIL deal. Hmm. This is crazy. And the latest escalation of the college athletics arms race, the University of Utah booster group Crimson Collective made a splash designed to grab national attention and bolster recruiting efforts. And why not? This is awesome. Joe's got a good point. Will they get gas cards? They're going to fucking need them, man. Either that or hopefully they're electric trucks. Because that way gas prices are going right now. I I, I paid $7 a gallon the other day in trucking. Not kidding. Seven dollars a gallon. Absolute joke. Insane. All right. Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham had a straightforward message for a group of donors assembled at Rice Eccles Stadium on Wednesday afternoon. Everybody in the country is in this arms race, he calls it. I mean, dude, we're not at war here, folks. Of course, the event they were gathered for was an indication enough of that as part of a name image and likeness deal, the Utah Crimson Collective booster group presented every Utah scholarship football player with a one-year lease for a 2024 Ram Bighorn 1500 truck. All right. Huh. A one-year lease. That's it, right? You're leasing the car. Now, it's going to depreciate. You drive that thing off the lot. It's a 2024, so it's a new truck, obviously. 
But I'll say this. There's 85 scholarship football players. There's probably another 15 walk-ons. Could we give a truck to the fucking walk-ons, please? Seriously? Look, and I bet you, and I i mean, every team almost has them, and sometimes when they become starters, whatever, but these walk-ons become dudes. And they're already the redheaded stepchild, the poor kid in the corner that doesn't get this and doesn't get that, and they're not allowed to dress, and give them a truck. Does 15 more of these really make that big of a difference on a one-year lease? I don't know. Anyway, it says in order to qualify for the truck, there are qualification standards here. The 85 players must be willing to promote the Crimson Collective to help other student-athletes benefit from their own name, image, and likeness. They must have a good driving record. So I don't know if I would have been able to receive the truck. I did have a reckless driving ticket that took me to juvie. Well, I never went to juvie. I went to juvenile court, though, to try to defend myself. It didn't go well. Uh, I was 30 miles per hour over the speed limit. So at the time, it was on the 280. And I was going 85 miles per hour. And I was double banged with 30 miles per hour over the speed limit in an unsafe lane change where I was in the slow lane. I went all the way back to the fast lane and then cut across into the slow lane and got off at Sand Hill Road, at which case I was pulled over by the highway patrolman and basically stuffed and cuffed and gave me this big scare. Now, the great part about all of it is I was wearing my St. Francis Lancers baseball uniform. And the reason why I was speeding home is because I couldn't wait to get home and tell my parents I just made the varsity team. I was a sophomore. I'd got called up to the varsity to play with them for the Knights of Columbus Easter Classic. And I hit the first ball I saw at the top of the right field wall, ended up with at least two or three hits. I got on every single time I was up. And then afterwards, head coach Chris Bradford said, hey, did you enjoy yourself today? I said, yes, sir. He goes, well, you're going to stick with us for the rest of the year, even after this tournament. Super, super cool moment. So anyhow, I was excited. I wanted to go home. I wanted to tell mom and dad about the fact that I'm going to be with the varsity. And it almost landed me in the tank. So uh, as part of the launch, the Crimson Collective also announced a partnership for the Win360, FTW360, a premier video platform made expressively for NIL NC2A collectives. The For the Win360 Utah app platform promises fans, students, alums, donors, and sponsors a transformative way to engage with their beloved collegiate teams. Okay, I mean, this is where we got to go. Giuseppe, fuck that for the win 360, man. We got no filter network. We got to get schools on board. This is the platform that we got to all of a sudden, you know, we, we throw all these Q and A's, whatever we want to do. This is it. Bag the 360 uh, folks come here. No filter. We'll get on that. The dignitaries who spoke at the event, winning M Stevenson, Crimson collective board chair, Matt Garf, 
University of Utah President Taylor Randall and Athletic Director Mark Harlan all drew upon one common theme. This is the direction of college athletics now and boosters who want to see their program succeed and need to get on board. I could not agree more. Quote, I know we can all do more. So my challenge for everyone here and then outside of this room is we all need to lean into the NIL. Well, the smart, I mean, those who leaned into it earlier are the ones who are having success right now. All right, the third story we cannot ignore here. The number one small talk phrase that will earn your friends. It says small talk might seem trivial, but it can deliver big results. It can help us forge new or deeper connections with others by allowing to discover unexpected areas of common interest. It can enable us to establish or reinforce our personal reputations, giving us an opportunity to demonstrate warmth and empathy. I'm a Stanford lecturer, podcast host, and communication expert. Let's see who this article is from, by the way. Matt Abrams is his name. Uh, And I was also inspired by my mother-in-law's manners and impressive interpersonal skills. Her favorite phrase was, you guys ready for this? Dot, dot, dot. Tell me more. That's it. Tell me more. Not tell me why. That was me singing and Dennis Rodman uh, next to me in the pisser and said, man, this motherfucker just said, tell me why. Yeah. Epic night in Vegas. More on that later. But tell me more. Just says we're interested. That's it. It's not hard. That's it. It says the power of tell me more. Most members of my immediate family weren't so great at taking turns and actively listening during conversations. We all spoke at once without listening to each other. That's my family dinner table. Whoever spoke loudest and longest was heard. The others weren't. So imagine how striking it was to see my mother-in-law willingly cede the floor giving permission to the other person to speak by saying, tell me more. All right, this last time I'll do that. It seemed like such a generous, empathetic act. I sensed immediately how much connection she forged with those three simple words. And I saw how much she learned from people with whom she conversed. The best communicators give quote unquote support responses tell me more is a support response it supports what the other person is saying the opposite is a shift response which is a statement that shifts the conversation back to you be careful of that that when you're listening to somebody it's always like you know oh yeah well, i did this or i did that and then your immediate thing is that you want to come back and like oh yeah yeah me too or i did that'll come out in due time but this tell me more means you're interested and it means you're listening. It means you're not a fucking narcissist always trying to bring it back to you. So, all right. The um, sports landscape for today. I mean, it's Thursday, so we got to have the NFL on. Let's check out my CBS sports app, and we can start checking lines i don't know why all of a sudden this thing disappeared 
on me. Uh, eh, here we go. Okay. The NFL today, I got to turn off the Wi-Fi, get this rolling here. What do we got? Scores for today, the Bears and the Commanders. Washington minus six. I mean, dude, all I had to do is look in the chat. Thank you, Joe. Ah, I don't know, man. The OU is 44 and a half. They're in Washington. 75 degrees and rainy. You really think they're going to get 44 and a half points? The question becomes how dog shit are the defenses? And look at this. The NBA is back in action. What's going on? You got the Mavericks and the T-Wolves. It says NBA T. I don't know what that is. NC2A football tonight, by the way. Sam Houston takes on Liberty. And then Western Kentucky taking on Louisiana Tech. It's Louisiana Tech plus six. Friday, we'll have Cornell at Harvard. Kansas State and Oklahoma State, Nebraska and Illinois. So yesterday at the dinner table, we actually had a, a, a fun little thing that we did where I would take two colleges and I'd throw them out to the kids and say, pick one. So one of them was like Harvard and Princeton, Stanford and Notre Dame. And you'd be surprised because it wasn't always exactly what you would have thought. Uh, it was UNR and UC Davis, just kind of random. And sometimes they weren't academically, say, aligned or athletically aligned or anything else. But I did say, assuming we're playing no sports here and you're just going as a student, this is it. When you play sports, it's a whole different animal. Uh, 58 seconds before my 45 minutes are up, and then I have about two minutes to close the show, Giuseppe. So I feel like I'm on this one. Uh, NC2A football tomorrow. Like I said, Harvard... Uh, is at home against Cornell. There's no line on that, apparently. Oklahoma State at home against K-State. That'll be a banger. Oklahoma State's plus 12. I don't know, man. I like them at home. 72 degrees, sunny. OU 53 in that one. Nebraska goes on the road tomorrow night at 5 p.m. Pacific time to take on Illinois, and it's Illinois minus three and a half. And by the way, if you did not check out Jeremy Roenick and Tim Peel's new podcast on No Filter Network yesterday. Go back and take a look because it was fucking fantastic. I'm not even a hockey fan, and I really enjoyed it. Saturday uh, is when we have all of the division series starting. It's going to be the Phillies at the Braves, the Rangers at the Orioles. I love the bark. The Rangers, Rangers at the Orioles. The Twins at the Astros and the Diamondbacks at the Dodgers, who will be playing in prime time there at 6.20 p.m. Pacific time. NC2A football matchups for this week is Boston College and Army. See, it's uh, Maryland at Ohio State. William Marriott, Virginia. Trying to look at some of the big ones. LSU is at Missouri. That should be a good one. Then you got Oklahoma, Texas. What's they call the Red River rivalry? Oklahoma and Texas. One thing I've learned about spending some time in Texas, they don't like Oklahoma. And hearing my folks and friends from Oklahoma, they don't like Texas. 
I didn't realize it was that big of a thing. But both of those teams, 5-0, and oh, Texas is at home, lane six in that contest. Rutgers at Wisconsin. Rutgers is 4-1? and one? Really? Wow. It's going to be Wisconsin minus 13 in that one. And then, well, yell at Dartmouth. It's kind of a fun one. Uh, Washington State, number 13 in the country, travels to UCLA. UCLA is minus three and a half. Look out for those ones, right? Those are the trap games. You got Washington State, who I believe they just took down Oregon State at home. But there's a lot of parity in the pack. And when you see a home team minus three and a half against a 13th ranked team in the country, that usually tells you that betters and books know a lot more than we do. I like the Bruins in that one. Alabama travels to Texas A&M. And check this shit out. Alabama's ranked number 11. Texas A&M is unranked. And Texas A&M is plus one in that matchup. Jeez, you got to like the Aggies. All right, that's uh, the show. Got to bounce. Make sure we stay on time to appease the Believe Podcast Network, Caffeine TV, FUBU, everybody else. Please leave a review. If you're listening on Apple and whatever else, and you know what? Fuck, we got to leave you with a quick James Allen before we go. So we all go ahead and kick off our day in, in the right way. The thought factor in achievement. All that a man achieves and all that he fails to achieve is the direct result of his own thoughts. Think good thoughts, folks. Back at you tomorrow on The Daily Hustle. See ya!